This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. We know that the journos lie. That's not anything new. We've seen that plenty of times. We're all very aware of the fact that they always root for one side. They are Democrats, 95 percent of them. They're, they're controlled effectively by the Democrat Party or perhaps As some argue, the Democrat Party is controlled by the corporate media. They work hand in hand. They are symbiotic organisms. But we have yet another story to add into the mix here. That's fake news. I mean, the reason that Trump's fake news allegations uh, or accusations, uh, quite honestly, just the fact that he used the term against them, upset them so much was because at some level they know it's true. They don't want to believe it. They'd never admit that. But. At some level, Donald Trump is somebody who was able to speak the truth about the media that they're hoping the American people don't figure out. It is largely now a a profession of propaganda. It's not something that you can count on. It's not something you can trust. People have their own motivations. They bring their own biases to it. And more than ever now, it is used to weaponize perception against conservatives and Republicans. And I want to get into that some more. But you know what else can be weaponized is your data. That's right. The stuff that's constantly being collected on you online. You know you can't trust these social media companies, right? They sell your stuff, but they're also tracking it. They're keeping it all on servers. What do you think that turns into in a matter of years? Given how they're already censoring us, they're already looking for people who have wrong think in their social media profiles, Don't you think it's time that you took the basic step to protect yourself online? Do what I do with ExpressVPN. I've got the ExpressVPN app on my phone. It's so straightforward, so easy. You get this app, you set it up, you can have it protecting you on multiple devices. Here's what it does. ExpressVPN encrypts my network data so it protects sensitive information from being compromised, okay? And it's so easy to use. One click, I mean, I'm not somebody who's super tech savvy, one click and you'll protect all of your devices. And they make sure that they protect your ability to operate online without everything being spied on. Don't you just want to have some privacy for what you're doing online without big tech peering over your shoulder and selling all of your activity? Stop handing over your data to these big tech left-wing companies. Go with the VPN, the virtual private network, that I trust for online protection. All you have to do is go to expressvpn.com buck to get three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash buck. Please go now, set it up. You'll be happy you did. This is a must. You need this on your phone. You need this on your devices. Expressvpn.com slash buck. They're supposed to bring us the truth in journals, and that's what they say. They speak truth to power. They, they claim that their very profession is all about bringing you the facts. Well, let's do a quick review. What are some of the the giant, awful lies told with intent as well? I don't believe that these were situations where they were good faith errors. I think that they recognized an opportunity to push an agenda. They recognized a means of pushing forward politics and they took it right. They they saw what they were doing. They saw that they could get away with it in their own minds. And so they bash Republicans with fake news. I mean, fake news has been weaponized. And you should never forget that fake news 
was originally a term that the Democrat media was using to try to explain away news stories online. They said that the Trump supporters were all believing this is back in 2015. We're all believing things that weren't true. And that's why Trump had so much support. The Russian fake news online was what they were turning to. Well, for a lot of us, we recognize that when Trump turned this around on them, it really stung. The journals were upset by this because it was so true that they peddle in falsehoods on a regular basis. And they're not upset about it. They only get upset when it doesn't work and when they get caught. At some level, they recognize this is their job. They are activists. They are advocates. They are not people who are neutral in a pursuit of the truth. And some of the clear examples of this, I mean, the biggest one that comes to mind more than really any other is the Russia collusion hoax, which they pushed for years and actually still cling to at some level. They'll say, well, there wasn't quite the collusion that we said there was, but there was clearly something going on and there was a willingness to collude. They put on their Freud hats and they say, well, We can see into the minds of Trump and his people. They would have colluded if they could have gotten away with it. Of course, that's not what we were told in the initial phases early on. What they were telling us is that Trump worked with the Russian government, with Putin and the Kremlin to steal the election. That was an awful lie. It's one that undermined a president. It's one that was used as the primary method. Think about this. That was the number one uh, rallying cry of the hashtag resistance while Trump was in office. It was a lot. They actually got a special counsel based off of it. I mean, they were able to take it to the next level. It wasn't merely we don't uh, it, it wasn't merely a question of you know, this is one of several stories or, or areas where we're going to attack the president. They were able to use this to turn the government apparatus against a sitting president. It was all lies. Did anyone really suffer the consequences for this? No. In fact, over at MSNBC, it caused a big ratings boom. Same thing at CNN. The Russia collusion hoaxers and now truthers were overwhelmingly promoted. It advanced their careers. I mean, there was some guy I remember who wrote a book. I don't remember his name now. He's an idiot called Proof of Collusion. And the guy had like uh, almost a million followers on Twitter. Some total clown that nobody should have ever heard of or, or believed or listened to or read created a big career for himself. The guy's an idiot. And there's tons of people out there like that. So not only do they lie and advance their political goals, they benefit from the lie. And then they go around telling us all, that, we, that, that Trump lies so much and that we're delusional because we don't see the Trump lies. Yeah, you know, Trump lies about how many ice cream, ice cream scoops he had last night and they freak out about it. And, you know, I, I sit here and I see what's going on with this once again. And I actually worry about the future of the country. I really do. Because we now have the elites. We have this cast of so-called truth tellers who are the biggest frauds and the biggest liars in the country. So there's Russia collusion, which was, as you know, a, a big lie. Um, there is their willingness to suppress stories they don't like, like the Hunter Biden story. That's a form of lying, suppression of truth. And that was right before the election. We know what they did there. Uh, there was the, uh, the insurrection day where people beat Officer Sicknick to death 
with flagpoles. That was the story, you know, that they were saying that there were there were murders of police officers on Capitol Hill during the January 6th insurrection day. It was a riot. It was not an insurrection. And we all know it. But Officer Sicknick did not die from being beaten to death. In fact, he didn't die from any blunt force trauma or any assault of any kind based on the autopsy information that we've been given, not officially, but that has been reported on. That's a pretty damn big lie, isn't it? Saying that a police officer was beaten to death by people so you can blame everybody who generally is on the right of American politics. We're, we're all responsible for that. And we, it turns out, well, no, that's not what happened. How could the media get that wrong? Ah, but you see, it served the purpose. That's the point. It served the purpose. And then that brings me to the latest one. You'll recall that President Trump was very upset and did not did not uh, believe at first the results and still perhaps doesn't the results of the 2020 presidential election. Well, as part of during that as part of that whole period and that that back and forth, the Washington Post uh, published a story on January 9th saying that Trump essentially pressured Georgia, the, a Georgia elections investigator to, quote, find the fraud. OK, find the fraud. And just a few days ago, now that was that was a big deal for everyone to understand this, because they were saying that now Trump was using his position as you know, now the outgoing president, but he was using his position still as the man occupying the Oval Office to change the results of the election using pressure. That's a big charge to make. That really got a lot of attention. And in fact, the line, find the fraud, was cited in the articles of impeachment against Trump that the Democrats in the Congress brought against him for a second time. Well, just a few days ago, you got to hear this. The Washington Post, remember that story was was January 9th. Now it's March 11th. Two months pass. And here is what they add to this story as a correction. Two months after publication of this story, the Georgia Secretary of State released an audio recording of President Donald Trump's December phone call with the state's top election investigator. The recording revealed that the Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call based on information provided by a source. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, asserting she would find dishonesty there. He also told her she had the most important job in the country right now. A story about the recording can be found here. The headline and text of the story have been corrected to remove quotes misattributed to Trump. So they lied about what he said. How do they do that? How did that, how did this actually happen? Well, they used anonymous sourcing as the as the people telling them that this is what Trump said. Right. Remember, on page 10 of the Democrats impeachment brief, they highlighted this Washington Post article and the fake quotes in oral arguments while it was being televised. So they used this. They used the Doesn't this remind you of something else? Oh, wait. Untrue news stories, lies from left wing Democrat media organizations are then cited in official government proceedings to attack an enemy of the left, to attack a Republican, just like what happened in the FISA 
debacle going after Carter Page, just like what happened when they were going after George Papadopoulos and people in the FBI were saying, well, look at what Yahoo reported on. Yahoo's reporting bullcrap and the FBI morons, because that's what the people involved in this were, morons were like, well, that gives us the justification. If it's reported by Yahoo or the Washington Post, it's got to be true. What the heck is going on here? This is this is not the way a free and fair society can run. Enough is enough. We cannot trust these news organizations. They are not trustworthy. We need to understand that. It's not a mistake. It's who they are. This is what they've become. Journalism is is not a thing in America anymore. There are some journalists, but the overall practice of journalism is just warring propaganda machines pushing the left-wing political agenda. That's all. So they, they lied about, about what Trump said. The only reason we know about this is because there's an actual recording, and the recording was found in the trash folder on, on a computer belonging to a Georgia elections investigator when there was a Freedom of Information Act request, and th- this is what ended up happening. Unbelievable. And, and, you know, other news outlets used their own anonymous sources to verify the quotes attributed to Trump that The Washington Post also had anonymous sources. Was it all the same source? This is why anonymous sourcing is one of the biggest shams, one of the biggest uh, frauds that the media perpetrates because, you know, they can say whatever they want and they'll never reveal their source and they're just making it up as they go along. Or it's all one person, but 10 outlets are all talking to the same person. So you think it's a lot of different sources. According to this is from uh, the Federalist.com today, according to the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party, the secretary of state's office secretly recorded the conversation, mischaracterized its contents to The Washington Post and then attempted to delete the recording. It was recently discovered in a laptop trash folder as part of an open records search. So. The Washington Post fabricated quotes they knew were from a secondhand source in the office of a political enemy, couldn't confirm the quotes with additional sourcing, still attributed them to the sitting president of the United States, used those quotes as a basis to speculate the president committed a crime, and the Democrat Party would later repeatedly cite the bogus article when attempting to impeach Trump for high crimes and misdemeanors. This is all from my friend Mark Hemingway at TheFederalist.com. Quote, but wait, it gets much worse. Several other major media outlets, including NBC, ABC, USA Today, PBS and CNN, confirmed the fabricated quotes from the Post anonymous sources by citing their own anonymous sources. He writes, alas, not only is this going to pass without any consequences, we are inured to this behavior from the media. The Post did this at the tail end of a Trump presidency defined by years of the media repeatedly being debased by sources who use credulously granted anonymity as a cloak to pass off dodgy information, enrich themselves, or ironically enough, so doubt about the results of the 2016 election. It's not exactly puzzling why the Trump White House might have, might have stopped returning reporters' phone calls. Whether or not the mistakes above were intentional, this kind of thing has become so commonplace and reckless that intent is almost functionally irrelevant With near universality, all these damning media screw-ups run in one political direction. 
It's a shame New York Governor Andrew Cuomo didn't try and kiss any of the grandmothers he killed. Otherwise, the media may have been obligated to cover his deadly policies. End quote. Mark Federal, uh, Mark Hemingway at the Federalist just lighting it up here. And uh, it's, it's exactly the point. I mean, this our media deserves. Honestly, it deserves repudiation. It deserves scorn. These people are atrocious. They're immoral. They're unethical. They ruin lives. There's no decency. There's no honesty. And they're mostly really dumb, too. They think they're smart. A lot of them manage to weasel their way into relatively fancy institutions for their degrees. Columbia Journalism School or whatever. It's all meaningless, friends. It doesn't it doesn't actually tell you anything about them. A lot of them just found some way to use the system to their own benefit. And that's all they do. That's really all their career is all about. They use the system to elevate themselves at the expense of truth, decency, hard work, ethics. It's all about them. It's a profession full of sociopaths who weaponize their quasi-psychosis on behalf of the Democrat Party and get rich and famous doing so. At least the TV journos do. The print journos, they just walk around generally looking, you know, frazzled and frumpy and upset and angry and hate Republicans and pretend that they're doing God's work by writing editorials disguised as news pieces. That is the American media today. And the fact that they would lie about a president and that that lie would find its way into another impeachment trial after other lies told about the president for the first impeachment trial, after other lies told about the president to bring a special counsel against him, how much lying can they do about us before we realize they are bad people who cannot be trusted? I will tell you that we would have worked just as hard to eliminate those acts of voter suppression as we did to eliminate the ones that existed in 2018. We were able to mitigate that harm in 2020, and we will continue to fight. The reality is voters, when they see that people are attacking their right to vote, we respond and we respond with a fury that is born of urgency. We would not have the American Rescue Plan that is going to lift 171,000 children in Georgia out of poverty. We'll serve millions of Americans and lift them out of poverty. That's something that would not happen but for the right to vote. And so we were, I refuse to countenance anything other than the deepest commitment to defending our democracy through fairfight.com and the work that other other organizations are doing. This has become a big national fight for you, um, but I am curious, are you still thinking about running for governor in Georgia in 2022? My focus is on making sure we have elections in 2022, and that means that we have to defend our democracy against all enemies, foreign and certainly the domestic enemies we see permeating and unfortunately populating our state legislatures, fighting hard to restrict access to the right to vote, trying to make certain that people of color and young people cannot participate fully in our democracy, which is the least patriotic thing I can imagine in this moment. Stacey Abrams can go on air and say absolutely anything. And the journos like Chuck Todd, who's just a, a sniveling little fraud, but the journos nod their heads. They go, yeah, that's right. Stacey Abrams, you're so great. You're, you're not somebody who pretends that she won an election that she lost. And no one ever calls her out on this. I mean, they're putting someone on on TV here who's the big defender of free and fair elections, according to Democrats, Stacey Abrams, who can't accept that she lost an election. She walks around acting like she actually won the Georgia uh, gubernatorial race, but she didn't. But that's okay because she's Stacey Abrams. She suggests on national TV that Republicans 
because of the domestic threat. Oh, yes, the QAnon election cancelers are out there. More hysteria and nonsense from Democrats that there might be canceled elections. What? No pushback. Oh, I'm working on having just making sure we have elections in 2022. Oh, yes, because the big, bad, mean Republicans will will get rid of all of the elections. Every election integrity measure is racist. Every everything that we do, you know, I just want to know why have any rules about elections at all? I mean, at some point you run into this, right? Why not just have, you know, anybody can vote. And whatever's in the box at the end of the day at the polling station. And who says at the end of the day, let's let's have an election year and we'll just sort of let we'll, we'll, it'll all be on the honor system. And you can just write down the name of the person you want to be president and you put it in that box. And no, there's no security because we trust people. There's no there's no checking, you know, the voter rolls. There's no providing ID. There's no are you a U.S. citizen? We'll just, you know, it'll be like passing a hat around that everyone writes it on a piece of paper. But we'll do that all over the country. We'll do it for a whole year because, you know, we believe in democracy. How, how much elimination of voter integrity measures is is actually too much for Democrats? You have to ask that question. The answer, by the way, is there's no such thing as long as they win. That's all that matters. Well, it's been pretty aggressive. I mean, you've had uh, significant contributions by the New York Times, Jesse McKinley, Albany Times Union, Brendan Lyons up there pushing the story forward. New York Post uh, chipping in, Washington Post, um, all these forces gathering, you know, sort of undoes the the right wing uh, conspiracy theory about the mainstream media, which is that we don't cover Democratic politicians. But I would be remiss, Brian, if I didn't mention CNN's own huge media story here with Chris. Cuomo, uh, the anchor at the nine o'clock hour, who covered Andrew Cuomo and had all these wonderful love-a-thon interviews with him, more than 10 of them. And they suspended the conflict of interest rule for Chris Cuomo for those interviews. Yet all of a sudden they've enforced it again now that Andrew Cuomo is in the midst of an historic scandal in the Albany State House. So I think that that is a major black eye for CNN. A major black eye for CNN. Uh, this guy, Wemple from The Washington Post, he's on CNN air and he is uh, he is giving them a little, little slap right across the face. He's the one he's the one giving him a black eye right there. I got to say, I was a little surprised. Apparently, apparently the journos can actually get upset at their fellow journos when they're so grotesquely uh, unethical in their professions, when there's such an obvious fraudulence at the heart of what they're doing and just the conflict of interest and all of it. Yeah. Turns out that uh, that occasionally even even the lib journals will have to call out their fellow lib journals. That was a fascinating one. But just to get into the the heart of the issue here for a second, why is he even pointing this out? What's he stating? Why is he saying this? Well, as you know, back when Chris, I'm sorry, when uh, Andrew Cuomo was the, the hero, the hero of the pandemic, we were told that it was fine that his brother, Chris Cuomo, was interviewing him on on what is ostensibly, or at least theoretically, allegedly, a news channel night after night. And it was all supposed to be so great. And look at these two brothers and during the pandemic and everything else. I mean, that's just not journalism, right? I mean, I have two brothers. They're they're just the best guys, the most fantastic individuals you could ever you could ever meet. But uh, you know, if I were doing if I were pretending to be a journalist covering the news, it would not be appropriate for me to have my politician brother on 
and give him a back rub on TV every night. I mean, that, that's just not that's not cool. That's not the, what it's, it's fraud. Look, they can do whatever they want at CNN. They just can't be frauds about it. They can't lie about it. You know, if they want to be a propaganda channel for the DNC, that's fine. Just say so. But they won't even do that. You'll notice I'm much harder on CNN than I am on MSNBC on this issue. I mean, MSNBC is engaged in all kinds of dishonesty and and bullcrap and they're left wing lunatics and they put fake Republicans on TV to just trash Republicans. So their audience thinks, oh, gee, the real Republicans actually hate the Republicans that have real support in the party. There's a lot of things, you know, it was the it was the home channel for the Lincoln Project, a lot of stuff to trash MSNBC for. But everyone knows MSNBC is lib central. Everyone knows that. CNN is every bit as left-wing as MSNBC in its propaganda efforts, but still clings to the absurd fiction that it is actually a a journalistic endeavor, that they're speaking the truth to people, that they're bringing them the facts. You know, Apple and Banana, remember that? You know, Facts First, all these different CNN slogans. It's just dishonest. And anybody who is discerning and, and has critical thinking skills knows this, can come to this, very obvious, very blatant uh, conclusion. You know, this guy from Washington Post calling out CNN. Yes, yeah, CNN has no response to that. And in fact, it's even worse because they waived the conflict of interest when they wanted to give a lot of a lot of puffery and a lot of uh, high fives to Governor Cuomo. Now that the guy is barely holding on, now that he's just still the governor for the time being. But I mean, I... This guy had an iron grip on that position, and now he's down to his last finger. I mean, he is, it's not looking good for him right now. I still think he's going to, I'll tell you this, I still believe Cuomo is going to hang on. Another fascinating thing is uh, is watching the libs try to defend Gavin Newsom. And there was some Elizabeth Warren tweet, Buck, I've missed you. I haven't been on your show in a while. Because, you know, I'm, I'm out there fighting for the poor people, you know, the poors. I'm... I'm worth about 10 million, but oh gosh, golly, you know, I was going to be president and I just want to, I want to help all the poors, you know, that's what I want to do. The poor people out there. Yeah, sure. And, and I'm, I'm fighting for you. Oh gosh. Anyway, she's back and she's saying that it's essentially right wing provocateurs. It's right wing people who are the ones uh, who are trying to get rid of Gavin Newsom because Gavin Newsom listened to the science or something. And I'm sitting here saying, lady, California is all, de- this is all Democrats in control. They run the state government. They run the state legislature. There is no Republican governance in the state of California. And the people of California are the ones who realize Gavin Newsom is at, at best a hypocrite, at worst a, a hypocrite who's also an incompetent and, and an idiot. Uh, because of what happened during COVID and they saw the numbers. You know, it's really straightforward. Would you rather have been for the last 12 months a Floridian or a Californian? We all know the answer to that question. People are upset, but they're blaming, somehow it's Republicans' fault. They're blaming Republicans for Gavin Newsom in the midst of a recall. Anyway, uh, Cuomo here in New York, though, has, has nobody to blame but himself, and it's Democrats who are pushing for him to go. And even Nancy Pelosi is saying that he should he should look look at his 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 heart. Play seventeen. What these women have said 
uh, must be treated with respect. They are credible and serious charges. And then I called for a uh, an investigation. I have confidence in the Attorney General uh, of New York. She has called for a, I think, expeditious uh, investigation. And uh, again, uh, with all the respect in the world for what these women have come forth and said. In terms of, uh, so you're talking about New Yorkers now, uh, in terms of generally speaking, uh, people have to look inside themselves and say, uh, and Governor Cuomo also, uh, are they, how affected is their uh, leadership in, in leading the state under the circumstances that are there? Uh, but I do think that the women deserve to hear the results of these investigations, as does the governor. Can he but be again, an effective no, leader now? No, no tolerance. No tolerance. And this is a subject very near and dear to my heart. This is no tolerance for sexual harassment. Let the world know that. But you're not calling on him to resign right now? I, I think we should see the results of the event, but he may decide. And there was, hopefully, this result will be soon. Uh, and uh, what I'm saying is the governor should look inside his heart. He loves New York to see if, uh, if he can govern effectively. Isn't it remarkable how she's dancing around on this one? I had zero tolerance for sexual harassment. Zero tolerance but we're going to tolerate it this time. I mean, she's like, we're not we're not really going to call for him to leave. You know, it's up to him. But we're very, very tough on this issue. Pelosi wants you to know, but not so not so tough that if Cuomo thinks you know, he should probably stay, that he shouldn't stay. Well, we got we got zero tolerance on this issue, but, you know, not so tough that, you know, that that's where we are. That's that's how this goes. So I would just say, you know, yeah. This is what you get from Democrats. A lot of pseudo moralizing while they're really just thinking about how will this affect our grip on power? How will this affect our ability to continue to be in control? That's that's what they're really thinking about. And it's a state official with Cuomo, but he's tied into the National Democrat covid narrative you have to remember that border crisis gets worse every day more and more people facilities overrun fema deployed to our southern border but it's not a crisis the democrats say well what is really going on here and what are the politics at work and what does this mean for the future of this country some big questions important ones we got our friend ryan gurdusky with us now to talk about all that and more he is the author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. Ryan, great to have you back. Thanks for having me. So, you know, your populist revolution, it's interesting because it was really a populist revolt against the Gang of Eight bill back in the day that stopped Rubio and the others from being able to get through the, the amnesty bill. Are, are we seeing the beginnings of the, a, a public consciousness about what's really happening at our border, what the Democrat plan is, and therefore the pushback from actual Americans, from the actual voters, could be severe? Or are you seeing a kind of uh, apathy toward it right now? Well, I know people are upset, actually. Right now, the CNN released a poll last week where the worst issue for Biden, where he was underwater by 12 points with voters, was on immigration. Uh, immigration is not an issue that a lot of people focus on, especially the media, until it's a crisis usually pertaining to the border. Uh, right now on the border, we do have a crisis over 100,000 people per month coming into the United States, mostly declaring asylum. It's a lot of children and women. 
um, trying to get um, into the interior. And then what happens is, is under Trump, we had a policy called remain in Mexico. They would have to wait in Mexico, wait until a judge heard their asylum case, uh, asylum claim, and then rule whether it was you know, real or not real. Uh, now that policy is basically gone. They can come into the interior of the United States. Uh, they've overfilled. They've filled over capacity all of the detention centers, so they get released into the interior. They put on a bus and ship to either a city in California or Texas or Arizona, and then from there go wherever they are. And they give given a ticket saying, "Come back in two years to come here an immigration judge." It's a total disaster, um, and this is a disaster created by. Um, two people, mostly George W. Bush, when he changed our asylum laws, and and um, and Joe Biden. Joe Biden, when he sat there and started gutting, when he did two things on the campaign trail, he promised illegal aliens both amnesty and free health care, and started gutting the Trump era immigration laws to protect our, what's going on right now. Trump warned that there were coyotes and human smugglers on the other side of the border waiting for Joe Biden. I mean, Central Americans, they pay a lot of attention to American laws and American politicians on immigration. So um, at this point, it's it's reached it's reached such a level where now they're renting out, um, you know, stadiums. I mean, there's a stadium in Dallas where they're going to be just putting thousands of kids, I think, thousands of people and just waiting. And, and, And I think the thing that annoys Americans the most is their children can't go to school in person. But illegal alien children who are who are arrested at the border are going to school in person. You know, we're told not to mass gather until Fourth of July at a barbecue, and they have three thousand people in a stadium in Texas. By the way, most of these people are not COVID tested, and there are many new strains of COVID coming out of Central America that is so bad actually that the UK and the EU have banned flights from Central and South America. So we have no, we have no. Uh, you know, broad COVID testing. We have new strains coming across the border. We have a global pandemic. We have high unemployment rates. And Joe Biden has single-handedly started gutting all the protections from safe third country agreements to remain in Mexico to the end of catch and release. He's created catch and release again, all on our southern border, um, all for political purposes. None of this is for public safety. None of this is for uh, protecting American labor, American jobs, or, or 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 health. I mean, this is a man who ran on COVID over and over and over and over again. And with new strains of COVID emerging throughout South America and Latin America, uh, he has kicking the doors open to whoever can get into the United States, or you're probably going to make your way. And all the while enriching um, human smugglers and coyotes and drug smugglers and the drug cartel, the worst of humankind, the people who prey on poor people, uh, they are making billions and billions of dollars because of Joe Biden. Uh, we're speaking to Ryan Gerdusky, author of They're Not Listening, and a conservative author, commentator. Ryan, who is this is a, another question that I, I always want people to, to know, to keep in mind, because the, the Democrats right now, when you listen to Jen Psaki and Joe Biden, they act like, oh, don't worry, we're going to we're going to handle this problem. But for a lot of people, they hear then they say, oh, so you're going to stop the inflow of people into the American interior, you know, a hundred thousand a month. From what I can tell, basically everybody's being let into the U.S. I mean, they, they get held for a while to process them to go through some things. But as long as they're claiming asylum, which they've all and I know this for a fact from when I've been at the border, they are told and trained 
by the actual cartel coyotes. I mean, they tell them this is what you say. They give them wristbands to show that they've paid the cartel now. That's that's a, a new process that's been put in place. But this is all very much, you know, a, a well-oiled machine of getting people into the United States. Who's not being able to who, who's being turned away? They act like they're turning a lot of people away. I don't see, you know, if, if they were telling us that 50 or 60 percent of migrants at the border were being sent back right away, I would be shocked. They are keeping I mean, they are keeping some people away, but it's not many, mostly single men or uh, non unaccompanied minors. But if you're a, a woman or an unaccompanied minor or a family unit, you no, know, you're being processed immediately. So that's why that is it's causing a bigger crisis. Actually, remember when children at the border, children are used as as tools in this process where a child is put with an adult who is not their relative, who is not their family member or their parent, being told at the border to say that is your family member and then being allowed to come in with adults. Um, That's I mean, that's a huge, huge, huge problem. Um, and, and it's only getting worse under the Biden administration. And you have this dual kind of narrative that's happening right now. You have some Republicans, including some attorney generals now are suing the Biden administration. You have the governor of Texas, I mean, at least National Guardsmen, which won't really do anything besides process them a little more efficiently. Um, and you have some Republican congressmen and you have Democrat congressmen, Congressman Kuehler and Gonzalez, who represent the Texas-Mexico border, um, have come out strongly against the Biden administration. And then you have like Congresswoman Salazar, who is a Miami-based congresswoman, who is talking about legalizing illegal aliens. You have Senator Rick Scott, who I broke on Twitter yesterday, is preparing a DACA amnesty for, you know, building of the border wall, which would literally do nothing to stop the crisis that's happening right now. Um, uh, and you have Democrats who are sitting there and talking about a mass 22, 20 to 30 person, in my estimate, and Yale's estimate, uh, amnesty, a mass amnesty, which only incentivizes more border crossings. So you have you have a bunch of Republicans and Democrats um, incentivizing and promoting the idea that more people should come. And you have uh, and you have a, a lot of Republicans and a handful of Democrats saying, no, this is a real, real crisis. I think this week, according to Politico, they're going to have two amnesty bills voted on in the House. And at least 10 Republicans have co-sponsored one of the amnesty bills. Uh, do you do you so, see a future here, Ryan, in which there is not at least some kind of major amnesty that goes through because as far as i see this right now it feels like democrat if democrats did amnesty for daca for all daca people which also would include their families too but that's there was there's always these these uh attendant you know people that where they focus on one group but then also anybody that's in the in the general vicinity of of that group family members etc also recovered by it do you do you see a future in which there isn't some form of mass amnesty maybe not for all however many millions, but two, three, four, five million, something like that. And I mean this um, year. Well, uh, this year, I mean, a doc amnesty would be the only thing that could possibly go through. But it's very difficult. I mean, not when you're having millions on the border and you're still having a a, a large crisis. I mean, that's the, the the problem with granting an amnesty is twofold. One, unless you actually fix the immigration system, you're just going to have a future amnesty as well. It's not like children aren't making their way into the country right now who are not DACA recipients. In fact, probably more are making their way 
who are not DACA recipients, but who will be future DACA recipients because they meet the criteria. They just don't meet the deadlines. So unless you fix the problem, we're going to have another DACA in five more years. Well, right. We had an amnesty in 1986 with Ronald Reagan, which Reagan admitted he basically got swindled. It was a promise right. that there would be border security. We'd never do this again. That It was supposed to be a, a couple million people. Then ended up covering like close to three, four, five million people when all said and done. And here we are. <laughs> you know, we yeah. went through the 90s. Yes. Ton- and, but even even worse was judges extended that amnesty for years afterwards. They expanded that amnesty through the through, through the judicial process. So any amnesty that goes through, you can make it as narrow as possible. You could say only left-handed people from Guatemala who came in between May 1st and May 2nd, and judges will expand it. So it's not going to be what anyone thinks it is. Anyone who has this like grandiose idea, it's going to be narrow, just for children, very compassionate. That's a complete lie. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to get into the courts right away. We're, we're talking to right. we're talking to Ryan Gerdusky, author of "They're Not Listening: How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution." Ryan, we're we're talking about the border crisis here. And and what we're facing now as, as a country as a result of this, where where is this a problem? When does this turn into a problem for Democrats? Because I think that the Democrat Party has managed to convince certainly its base and maybe a, a solid majority of all Democrats that illegal immigration is actually not bad. There's no downside to illegal immigration. I think that's where the Democrat Party is. Well, listen, if you're woke, like most Democrats are, you believe that. America is a better country if it's less white, because white people are inherently the cause of all social cancers and social ills. So why would you not support an abolishment to any border or any border laws to diversify the country as fast as possible? Because that means white people have less political say. They're less involved in the political uh, body politics. Not they're less involved, but they have a less proportional representation in the body politics. And that is, in essence, a good thing, according to woke idea, people with a woke ideology, many of whom are, are who are white. Um, I think it gets into the problem for Democrats when it, when when independents and Republicans are souring on a position and a, a portion of Democrats, like about a fifth of Democrats or maybe an eighth of Democrats are souring on a position of immigration. And that's what's happening right now. If you look at public polls from CNN. Um, which is not a right-wing polling institution. They're, they're actually decent CNN's polls sometimes. Um, but uh, but you're seeing Joe Biden's approval rating, even PPP, which is a left-wing polling institution, has Joe Biden's approval ratings under 50% for the very first time. Um, it's being sunk by the immigration crisis at the border. And more than anything else, the things that irritate you know regular Americans who are apolitical is when they're told to live by double standards. When illegal alien children are allowed to go to school in person and their children aren't, when illegal alien criminals are allowed to, which is a new policy under Joe Biden, illegal alien criminals, lawyers are allowed to sit there and fight against deportation because they say it doesn't uh, or they're already on the process of being deported because they say it doesn't fill out with what Joe Biden's executive order state. So they could stay in the country even if they committed a crime because it's, 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 not, it's not within the crime purview of what Joe Biden said are their deportation um, priorities. Um, when 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 their when taxes don't have to be paid, when services can, can be can be extended, when all these things happen, they just feel like it's rigged against them. And it creates a boiling point that they look to a leader like Donald Trump. Now maybe not Donald Trump in 2024, but a leader who sits there and points obvious things that everyone sees but are afraid to talk about 
when it comes to a portion of this country are allowed to live a certain way. Well, we have to live by different rules and standards. And that irritates the hell out of average America. What is the Republican way out of this? I think that's, you know, I've got I got very frustrated during the Trump years because we talked a lot about we heard a lot in the early days about how bad Obamacare was and and we're going to have this great Republican health care plan. It didn't happen. Okay, I mean, people can sit around and talk about how it was going to happen or, you know, the obstruction or whatever. We had the House. We had the Senate. It didn't happen. What are Republicans going to do to solve this if they could? I mean, what what is the approach that we could actually go? We could go forward with now. The most important thing Republicans can do is their attorney generals can sue the Biden administration and get nationwide injunctions on many of these rules, which is finally happening. Uh, The Florida AG Moody. She just made a lawsuit today over some portion of the immigration bill. I haven't seen the court case. Eleven Republican attorney generals have sued over Biden stripping the public charge rule, which denies green card holder green cards to um, for aliens, legal aliens. Uh, they cannot get green cards if they owe money to the federal government through welfare. Um, a lot of them have sued over catch and release and over uh, remain in Mexico. I mean, they're starting to sue. That is our main ability to fight is in the courts and trying to get nationwide injunctions to at least slow the process for a year and maybe get to the Supreme Court and kind of see what happens. Uh, Although it's very difficult to see how the Supreme Court rule like that because the executive has so much purview over immigration. Uh, But nonetheless, at least slow the process down. And then with the Republican Congress, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you can talk about as many, not you, but anyone can talk about as many compassionate things as they want to do with the children or with this. The asylum laws in this country, which grant mass amount of, of, of waivers to anyone who says that they were in an abusive situation, that they have a gang after them, that their government is corrupt, is what's creating this crisis. The asylum laws 100% have to change more than anything else, more than a border wall. We need a legal wall. A legal wall that sits there and redefines how we process asylum in this country um, and and, you know, and and start working on new third safe country agreements and actually get all of Trump's executive orders on remain in Mexico, um, for instance, make that into an actual law that that's on the books, not just an executive order, but a congressional law. Those things have to happen and they have to be the main priority. This last week, Republicans, what are they talking about? Abolishing the estate tax. I mean, it's it's it. They are some of them are truly living in another world. I mean, Kevin McCarthy brought members on the board to see what happened. They said it's a humanitarian crisis, which it is. Um, but that's not enough. Uh, you know, in order to sit there and actually get a real answer on the illegal alien problem, we need to change our asylum laws. You know, first and foremost. You think uh, we just got about a minute left? What do you think of the chances? That this Biden administration, uh, you know, what would you say the percentage chances are that, that it achieves amnesty? Oh, uh, I don't know. Fifteen percent. So not a that high. Am- you actually think they might not get there. A broad amnesty. It's never going to. When Rubio and Graham came out in the Senate and said it, we, we're not going to support an amnesty. You could see by the, who they're working with. They're getting Bob Menendez to push the amnesty. He brings no broad consensus with the Republicans. If it was Dick Durbin, I would say we have a serious threat. But but Bob Menendez does not bring anybody. And the House is moving. You, you don't think they'll break the stuff. filibuster over this? No, no, not a chance. I what? just don't think that they're going to do it over over amnesty. What about HR one? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think they want to break the filibuster. I think there's probably nine Democrats in the Senate 
they're all hoping for Joe Manchin. But if it's not Joe Manchin, it's Kristen Sinema. If it's not her, it's Maggie Hassam. If it's not him, it's John Tester. There's a lot of Democrats who do not want to break the filibuster. Oh, not not quite as radical as some of us are thinking. We'll have to see. Ryan will have you back on this one. Check out his all book, right. They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. Ryan Gerdusky, everybody. Ryan, thanks so much. Thank you.